Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And welcome to what I think is a special edition of the Bikes for Death podcast. If you listened to last week's episode, you might have heard that I put a call out to anybody who is currently racing the Tour Divide to contact me and set up a time to chat. There were a few different people that I've been chatting with, but you know it's difficult to line this up with schedules. Obviously, their priority is to be out there pushing themselves, racing their bikes, and probably the last thing anybody wants to do or most of the people want to do is take a few minutes to record a little podcast with me. But, you know, so often we get reports of the race after the fact, but I thought it'd be really neat especially with the Tour Divide, since it's such a long race, I was like, certainly there's got to be someone out there who's going to have some downtime that wants to chat and kind of give us a play-by-play and let us know, you know, what it's like, what it's like to be out there right now on the Tour Divide. And I got to give a huge shout out and a thanks to my new friend, Nick Marzano. He was incredible in just working through the scheduling and making this all come together. It took us a few days to where our schedules could align, but he was just really awesome and willing to uh, make that happen. And so just last night, uh, I was able to catch up with Nick as he was hanging out in Pinedale, Wyoming. He had a little bit of a short day, and we're going to talk about why that is uh, in today's episode. But It worked out that we were able to chat and we were able to get a live report from Nick. When we chatted, he was 1,250 miles into the race, which is dang near right at halfway. And at that time, he was in about 24th place on the Tour Divide. And so he's doing absolutely amazing. And I'm really glad that we got to talk to somebody who's actually kind of in the middle, or as he likes to say, the upper middle pack, and uh, hear about what the conditions have been like from him and uh, get some feedback on what the race has been like this year and what the chatter has been like as this year's race unfolds. So I hope y'all enjoy today's episode. I hope we don't breach any media rules. Phones are allowed. You're allowed to talk to people. And Nick chose to talk to me and I recorded it. So I don't think we broke any rules, not trying to break any rules, but I thought it would be really cool just to talk to somebody who's actually on the divide. I've never done this before. I don't think anyone has done this before. So I think it's kind of cool, unique, a little bit different. And you will be able to watch Nick's progress for the rest of the Tour Divide. And so if you do want to follow him, you can check his dot and his Instagram information will be in the show notes. So if you want to follow along Nick and maybe send him a shout out, tell him you appreciate him taking some time to share his story to date with all of us, uh, you can do that. Just check the show notes. All right. Well, let's thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest patron. I'd like to give a big shout out to Daniel Heaton, who signed up this week as a new patron. And uh, we really appreciate everybody who's able to support this podcast. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. There's a lot of perks to signing up, but the main benefit is that you just get to make sure that these episodes keep coming into your podcast feed every single week. 
All right, everybody. Today on the podcast, we got a new sponsor. I'm excited to introduce Embark Maple Energy. We all can get fatigued when we're looking for ways to give us healthy and good nutrition that our body needs while we're out on bike rides. And that's where Embark Maple enters the equation. So Eric, tell us, what is Embark Maple? Well, Embark Maple, you know, at its roots is really good energy from the woods of Wisconsin. Embark starts with organic maple syrup that is sourced from our farm. We are full-time maple farmers, and we add a pinch of sea salt to it. We really wanted to bring more of a culinary angle to sports nutrition. We also grow organic elderberries for an elderberry maple variety. And we work with a local coffee roaster for coffee maple energy. So you can get all of your nutrients, your electrolytes, potassium, manganese, magnesium, riboflavin, all naturally from maple syrup. And the sea salt brings you your sodium chloride. You have an energy density that's equivalent to commercial gels, except it's a, a lot more delicious. Embark is packaged in three ounce pouches, uh, which is equivalent to about three tear off gel packs. It has a resealable cap, so you can use as much or as little as you want and then recap when you're done for no mess. The other unique thing about Embark is that it has multi use. So you can use it as an energy shot, just like a gel. You can use it as a hydration aid. The elderberry is my favorite to mix in my water bottle but then also for rejuvenating in camp cooking and camp cocktails. The product with a million uses. Interesting. So what was the inspiration for Embark Maple and, and why did you settle on maple as the go-to nutrition source? Great question there. I mean, I think just to start off with, like, you know, the indigenous people of North America have gone to maple for as long as there's time as a source of, of good energy. So, you know, we're not the first ones to do this by any means, but it was during my kind of endurance mountain biking. And when I was really getting into these type B adventures that I started looking at other ways of getting the nutrition my body needed. I just wasn't enjoying the gels that were out there. And maple syrup had a nutrient profile that was very similar to gels. Started adding just sea salt to it, both you know, it helps brighten up the flavors, but you also get the sodium chloride to help with um, hydration. Yeah, man. You were nice enough to send me some sample packs. I, actually, everybody at the East Texas Showdown uh, received a sample pack of your product. I've been able to try it for the last couple months, and I've been really impressed with it and have been enjoying it. Like you said, you brought a culinary aspect to it, and it tastes amazing. And this is my first introduction to maple, and it's been a good one. Now I understand that you also want to let our listeners try it out for free. How can they do that? Yeah, if, if folks want to go to our website, embarkmaple.com, and you can enter the code bikes or death to get a free set of prototypes. Last year, we went through a prototype round on Embark. We're making some improvements to the packaging, and we're going through another round of production this year. But uh, we're, we're handing out the prototypes as uh, samples for folks. So use the Bikes or Death promo code. And for the price of shipping, we'll send you a three-pack of our Embark Maple Energy. 
Thank you so much, Eric. Listeners, go to EmbarkMaple.com, enter Bikes or Death, and get yourself a free sample pack of this great product by a great company. Thanks for coming on today, Eric. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here for today's episode. I'm really excited about this one. I hope you are as excited about it as I am. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. But first, let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Thanks for making the time, man. Uh, I know you're probably busy, <laughs> so I appreciate you uh, being willing to hop on the phone with me for a little bit. No, totally. I was so excited. It's just the, like you said, the time management out here is somewhat up to uh, your legs, somewhat up to Mother Nature, and uh, somewhat up uh, up to uh, just luck. Yeah, yeah. How did you um, how did you hear about me wanting to interview somebody on? on the divide because I put it out on social media and I also put it out on the podcast. Oh yeah. No, I saw your Instagram story, I guess. And said something like, you don't have to be fast. I'm just looking for someone on the divide. That's, <laughs> that's me. That's you. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, I, I can at least give you some, some, uh, eyes on the ground. Uh, if you want to talk to a fast person though, at some point, um, obviously you've talked to Sofian before, which is really awesome. Uh, Abe Kaufman, who is, from a crew of riders in Virginia that I've been, I've been kicking around with, um, and a guy friends with a guy he's actually on the phone with in the other room right now, uh, who I've been riding with for a while. Um, he's in like fourth or fifth place. Uh, he's just crushing it. So yeah. Abe Kaufman. Yeah. He's, uh, looks like 200 miles behind Sofian, but Sofian's just kind of doing his thing. And then, then there's a nice little bunch right, but right, uh, after him between like, second through fifth place um everybody's kind of bunched together back there so he's from your uh he's from your hometown or your like area no there's not a whole lot so i'm from philadelphia and there's not a ton of great gravel riding or back uh, bike backing out there uh but uh, i've got hooked up with this this crew from around harrisonburg virginia uh, this guy, Dave Landis, runs a, a race called the Trans-Virginia 550 out of there, which I did last fall, and um, met a bunch of great people on that, a couple of whom have done the Tour Divide, and we all, three of us at least, four of us, uh, made a pact to do it this year. So I've gotten to know them a little bit better through training over the past couple of months. Oh, awesome. So you got like a little training group uh, put together, and all, all four of y'all went out uh, to do it this year? Yeah, yeah, all you know, somewhat different paces, uh, different styles, but it's been nice to have some. There is one other guy who lives in Philly who I've done some outdoor rides with, and then we've all done, you know, during the the cold dark. Uh, I know you don't have this down in you're in Texas, right? Yeah. Um, but the the cold dark days of winter in Philly and Virginia, we we were on Swift, uh, Zwift together doing our seven hour century rides 
in our living rooms. Dude, that's awesome. So your friend Abe that you ride with, was he kind of, you know, expecting or wanting to be pushing, pushing a pretty fast pace? Do you know what his goals were going into it? Oh yeah. I don't want to, I won't speak too much for Abe, but I know that he was <laughs> there to compete. Uh, I, you know, I know that much for sure. He, he was definitely there to where I I'm, I'm here to push myself and see what I can do. And, um, and I know he's, you know, he feels the, the same. He wanted to finish, I think no matter what, but, uh, he's a competitor, man. He, his, uh, handlebar broke just that we were getting a uh, coffee at the Tim Hortons and Banff, uh, beforehand walked out and Abe was just a, a a wreck we're like what's going on his handlebar snapped it had blown over at the hostel the night before and he hadn't noticed it until we got to tim hortons right before the grand depart so he scrambled found you know some amazing person who got him a handlebar uh got him set up and scott uh gave him a 930 allowed him to be in the grand depart and gave him a different i think it was a 930 start so technically he has two hours i mean he's 200 miles behind sophia now but technically he has uh, a two two and a half hour grace period or whatever uh, to make up, I think. Uh, but it sounds like Sofiane is just in. You know, he's he's on a completely different level level than than most human beings. Yeah, he's uh, he's he apparently is good at this stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the stage start because I I kind of forgot about that. But that was a new thing that they did this year, isn't it? Or do you know? I think so. But no, I, it, it is from accounts that I've heard from others and what Scott and Matt Lee sort of talks through Scott, uh, I guess. Uh, but what we heard, what we heard was that this has gotten so big and Canada, uh, parks was getting less and less excited about it. And then if we did not adhere to this stage start, they were going to, you know, invoke permit requirements so i'm not sure exactly what it was but they were they were not yeah. going to let it be this this sort of unsanctioned event yeah that's interesting i would that's one thing i was curious to ask you about is is what what was the start of the tour divide like this year i mean is there a a big meeting where you all get together and they explain all the rules and they go over everything or like what, what is that, that like at the the beginning? What's, what's that whole, I don't know. I've never been, and I've never talked to anyone about it before, but I'm kind of curious. Everything I've seen. So I've talked to a lot of vets on the, on the route, just riding with them or, um, and everything I've heard is that, yes, typically this guy, crazy Larry, sort of the self-appointed, uh, truth teller, rule, rule teller, uh, you know, both, you know, has some inspirational, uh, comments and, and then also goes through the rules. Um, this year it was, it was kind of subdued if that, if that's how it used to be in the past, if there was a pre-race meeting, um, I guess he sent out a video to everyone on the email list. I actually hadn't watched it because we, I was so busy ahead of it. So I haven't even seen it yet. Um, I don't know if he was asked not to come or if he couldn't come. I, I don't know if it was related to the whole parks threat thing. There's there's definitely something going on behind the scenes that I'm certainly not not privy to. Um, it sounds like they were dealing with a lot. Uh, I mean, we didn't get the, the final track until, you know, um, a few days beforehand. Um, so whatever the case was, the, the start was pretty subdued. Everybody clung to their to their wave starts. Um, pretty well 
and we all cheered each other out, and that was it. It was it was still you know a good celebration. It just felt a little subdued. Huh. The crazy Larry. Did you ever watch the uh, Ride the Divide film, the Mike Dion one with that had cra- Crazy Larry in it? It's not the same Crazy Larry, is it? Do you know? No, you're. Uh, I know, but I did. I met a guy who uh, <laughs> while I was riding through uh, what was it, Condon, I think, Montana. Uh, pouring rain. It was one of the nights that a bunch of people were were airlifted out um, for hypothermia, and I was just drenched. Got to a place that looked like a bar. Knocked on the door. Um, like, you know, are you guys closed yet? Can I, you know, can I sleep on the porch out here? He was like, Oh, actually, I bought this uh, a couple of years ago. It used to be a bar. Everybody stops here thinking it still is a bar. This is my home. Uh, so we got to chatting for a little bit, and he knows he's a logger. Uh, in the in the area and knows that guy and was telling me stories about uh you're talking about the guy who's like see that up there that's my bank that's where i make yeah make, that's uh, my bank i go up there yeah. i make a deposit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's crazy what a small world that um that they would know about that so you touched on um all the evacuations that took place and while you were talking about um, you know, maybe a strenuous relationship between like the park service, um, that's maybe developing in the background. I mean, we have no idea, but, but that is something that I do hear about is, I mean, these events are kind of unsanctioned. They're not permitted through, uh, the U S forest service. I don't know what, you know, they have up there in Canada and, and what their permitting process looks like. But, you know, that is one of the concerns is as these things get bigger, that it draws more attention and, not only does it draw more attention, it draws more people and maybe some of those people are unprepared and they have to get rescued and life flighted out of there, which, you know, causes uh, emergency responses to be stressed and, and probably draws some some negative, uh, you know, negative, uh, what's the word, like views or, or thoughts towards, you know, the tour divide as a whole. How... How familiar are you? I mean, you are in the middle of the Tour Divide and, and busy riding your bike. So how familiar are you with all those evacuations and, and what's been going on with that? Oh, we're definitely checking out the Facebook page and, and seeing. Um, there was a gentleman who was posting. Simon, I think was his, his name. He was posting on behalf of Fernie Search and Rescue, uh, which mm. wasn't the only search and rescue out there. Uh, there were some on the U.S. side and some others in Canada, I believe. Um, who are involved in, I, I want to say 15. Um, I don't, you know, again, I don't know for sure, but I know it was somewhere in the order of 15 Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. Um, picked up either by helicopter or by, by vehicle or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of it, except that the weather, you know, again, from those vets that I've talked to, this has been an absolutely crazy year with the snowpack that was there before the events of Tuesday and Wednesday when that, that winter storm blew through. It was already slow going through those mountains. Um, you know, I had one vet say, you know, that mountain that just took us five hours to hike a bike through took me half an hour, an hour. The last time I was there, you just ride it. Um, and it was the most, you know, treacherous log uh, this time. And the people who were a little bit, you know, if you were, if you would call me mid pack or upper, upper middle pack, I don't know. <laughs> the people who were, <laughs> I like that upper middle pack. I think that's fair. Yeah. Do you know what place you're in right now? 
I think it's somewhere in the twenties, but that's mostly that's because what, yeah. of uh, attrition. Hey, dude, that dude, that definitely counts though. Uh, being able to outlast outlast people, I mean that that's part of it is uh, being durable, and it's an endurance sport, right? Having the endurance to keep going. Because when we first started talking about hopping on, you were at forty four in 44th place. And I, I was counting real quick before we got on the phone and I thought it was in the twenties, but I didn't get, I didn't get the exact number, but, um, I think you were going to talk about how being a little bit, uh, maybe at the, you know, towards the front of the pack or, you know, upper middle pack, did you avoid some of the more nastier weather? Yeah, we, so we, uh, I guess right before Richmond pass when, you know, that night after I talked to the guy who knows crazy Larry, uh, I ended up staying at a, a B and B with maybe four or five other racers. And we all just decided, you know, my kit was soaking wet. Um, it just felt, it just felt dangerous. I knew Richmond already had snow on it and it was supposedly as we were, you know, getting ready to go, um, starting to accumulate 12 to 18 inches or something like that. We watched Ashley Carelock. I think that's her name. Ashley Carelock. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. We watched her dot go up. And then watched her dot come back down, and a few others did make it over, uh, but I just didn't feel I didn't want to mess with hypothermia, um, so I took a knee for the day. Um, and I think I think you know the people at the front of the pack escaped that. They'll hit other things. It's not that you know because you're fast, you don't have to deal with Mother Nature. It's just the timing worked out. I think better for them with that event. And there was a, there was definitely a slow penalty, right? If you're, if you're more of a touring, um, racer, uh, maybe you're carrying more and you're more prepared for it. And that's what, why you're slow. And, um, and so maybe you're able to make it over there. Um, but if you're not prepared for it and you don't have the option of saying, you know, Oh, I, I'm going to put in a 150 mile day today to try to outrun tomorrow's weather. Um, then you're kind of at the mercy of it and you need to, you know, either go doubly slow or for people that have limited vacation and have, you know, maybe spent the past six months training for this or, or planning for it, buying gear and getting really excited, maybe longer than six months. Um, you know, I get the sense they, uh, they just said, let's go for it. And, uh, and you, you get in a bad, bad spot and you, you've got to hit the SOS. You know, I don't want to judge anybody that I'm glad that oh, they no. hit the SOS. That they got in that, in that situation. Um, but it, they definitely, there was definitely a penalty for folks in the back. Yeah. This year. What do you, I mean, is, is it just that, I mean, I, I know you can't speak to everyone, but you are in the field and, and maybe you're hearing from other racers and, and maybe you're, maybe you aren't, but um, do you have a sense? I mean, is it just the weather is just so unprecedented that people just, I mean, there wasn't really an expectation of this. They just got in over their heads. You think? Yeah, uh, I mean, th- I, there was a lot. There's a lot of back and forth. People, you know, blaming the, the people who hit SOS, using it as like an Uber out of there. There were some people who were in real <laughs> bad situations who, you know, were hypothermic. And I'm absolutely glad they hit SOS. I don't know everyone's situation. Um, no. There, there was some. You know, there there was definitely a report, and you could check the snowpack of, of how bad the initial snowpack was. Um, but as for the in, incoming weather, you know, I think like I don't I don't have an in reach. I use a spot Gen three, and so I'm kind of at the mercy of when I have Wi Fi or, or signal, and 
uh, that can be a little tough. And if you don't have Wi-Fi or signal, maybe you came in from Europe or you came in from somewhere else. You know, I, I could just see how it would be difficult to to keep track of that. But you have to because, you know, hopefully that's a lesson for anyone who comes back next year. It certainly is for me that this is uh, this is really no joke. It's you know, the riding might not be technical. It might be for the most part. But you throw some weather in there, and mountain weather is is absolutely no joke. You've, you've got to figure out how to prepare for it and prepare a long route for it as well. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, you know, I I won't. I'm not judging any of them harshly. I'm not there, and I don't feel like that's my place. And sure, I've read some stuff on the internet, but I mean, I yeah, I'm not there, and so I'm not going to judge them. But you know, my thought went to Sofian, who in 2019 got himself in a really yeah. uh, difficult situation, and and he didn't hit the SOS. But I, I I talked to him. He was on the podcast like four days after um, pulling out of of that tour divide, and it was a legitimate, uh, you know, potentially life or death type situation. You know, I mean, he was woefully unprepared for being in those types of extreme weather and he didn't know where the track was and fortunately he was able to backtrack and find his way back to the brush mountain lodge but you know if he wasn't able to do that you know one of the top athletes and not to make an example out of him but my point is is like we we can all get caught with our pants down and totally. i think you made an excellent point that the prudency needs to be on making good decisions in the moment and evaluating whatever information you have, right? Like you need to be in the game. You need to know what's up ahead of you and utilizing whatever information or resources you have and, and making smart decisions so that you don't get yourself in that situation. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's a perfect example of, of a penalty for those at the front. Right. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, I don't know, it was in Sofian's heart and mind at that point, but you, you do an assessment of the risk and you say, okay, this looks risky, but the benefit is I, you know, I break through that snowstorm and I'm ahead of all of these other folks who might get caught behind it. Um, and we were definitely doing that in our own small way, you know, in our, in our mid pack, uh, way when, you know, with Richmond Peak watching Ash Carolock go up and saying, oh man, are we, are we making the wrong choice here? bedding down for a day we didn't know what to do with ourselves for a for a whole day off uh it felt indulgent and wasteful and uh you know it was nice to get to know other riders for sure um but then you know as it turns out um kind of meandering the point but you know we made a risk assessment we made the other one which was let's let's uh stay put not get hypothermic and we ended up catching up with a lot of the people that went over that first day who may have been more exhausted, um, oh, may have wow. needed a little bit more time to recover, um, or at the very least we've been leapfrogging with them. So it, you know, right. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting, but you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. So what, what were those, I mean, the conditions that you went through, like how I, I saw on your Instagram, I saw a picture of the bike and the snow. I mean, it's one thing to see a picture, but like, how gnarly were those conditions? How how hard were they? What what was it, what did it look like to have boots on the ground, so to speak? Man, uh, I could have used some boots. Uh, it it was like <laughs> until I until I until really today, that's why Alexandra does so well, huh? Yeah, I guess so. you know Alexandra Houchin. Yeah, I know of her. <laughs> that's her <yeah>. secret. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I, go I, ahead. I was joking, like, should I get crampons for my my shoes? Because we knew what the snowpack <laughs> looked like. And we were like, ah, you know, that's funny. Crampons for your shoes, fine. Uh, it was, uh, they probably would have been helpful. Snowshoes would uh, honestly would have been helpful. Um, it was, especially on Richmond Pass, the picture that you're talking about, uh, it was 12 to 2 feet of, of snow. I think it toward the top, on top of one to two feet of snowpack, I think is what my friend said from the Gaia layer. Um, so we would have been hiking snowpack no matter what for a portion of it. There was a ton of fresh snow. Um, it was, you know, we had the benefit in passes before Richmond where there wasn't fresh snow of, to some extent, you know, the, the fast penalty was they were cutting the snow for us at the front. Um, but even then, you know, the passes that didn't have fresh snow, even if they had a trail, it was like walking through, like pushing your bike through a, through an, through an icy, through a slushy where you push it a little bit and then the nose dips into the snow and then you pick it up and you push it a couple of feet and the nose crashes into the snow. Um, so it was, I mean, my Achilles is ripped to shreds, which is why we did a very short day today, or at least why I did a short day. Uh, these guys have their own reasons, but <laughs> how did you, uh, I mean, did you prepare mentally for that type of a slog and that much <laughs> snow and that cold of weather? Like, did you, were you prepared for that mentally? And if you weren't prepared for that mentally, how did you, how did you deal with, with that? You know, you just roll with the punches. I mean, that's early on, you know, so it's like, fuck, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. It. I mean, I think the way I prepared for it was just like, I really did try when I was able to be on my bike, to be very grateful for being on my bike. Uh, I tried to be very grateful. Um, at, like when I was on climbs, actually <laughs> just talking to myself to keep the bears away, uh, going through the things that I was grateful for that day, as corny as that sounds. Um, I like and, that. and that whole mental game completely collapsed yesterday when, <laughs> when I thought we had gotten through and then, you know, cause then I just rolled with the punches because what are you, what are you going to do? You're going to push your bike through it or you're going to quit. And some people did quit and they said, you know what? I'm going to get to Mexico, but I'm going to go on the road because this is ridiculous and it's not fun and it's not biking. And for them, I totally understand that decision. Um, I've, I didn't get to the point where that was even an option until Wyoming yesterday when we, <laughs> we hit a pass that didn't really have a ton of snow on it but had peanut butter mud for like eight miles um, that I just had to cradle my bike and carry it like a, you know, like a small child uh, for, for, oh, you man. know, a few miles. Um, but, uh, you know, until that point, my morale held up. <laughs> until anyone's ever ridden through true peanut butter mud to where it's clumping to your tires and your feet and every single step is just getting heavier and heavier and heavier it's hard to know like how how heavy and how like really difficult that is and not to mention you're doing like you know 100 miles or whatever a day so it's not like you're a spring chicken out there <laughs> yeah well, that's the thing i you know i wonder how far along I would be and the rest of the pack would be further too. This isn't saying I'd be doing better position wise, but I, I think we'd all, the entire pack would move forward a hundred to 150 miles probably if we didn't have yeah. you know, three to five hour hike a bikes uh, every single day for the first 
seven days. It takes a lot out of you. Um, but yeah, the peanut peanut butter mud is absolutely nuts. I had a friend on Instagram say, well, why don't you just lower your tire PSI? I think that'll work. <laughs> Dude. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Not to laugh at your friend, but that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. I just laughed at your friend. I hope he doesn't listen to this. No, like you said, it's until you until you get into it. I mean, I I hadn't written into it until yesterday, and as soon as I hit it, I was like, all right, I know exactly what this is, and this is awful. This is as bad as they say. It's just concrete. So what what happened when you know you said you were keeping a good attitude, everything was going fine until you hit the mud? What does it look like for Nick when or for you when things go bad? Uh, I start, are there tears? Please tell me there's tears. There aren't tears. There's a lot of cursing. Uh, <laughs> that's even <and> better. <laughs> like when you're out alone in the middle of nowhere, the ability to just scream at the top of your lungs, uh, and just drop an F bomb into, and, and I'll, I'll, I started cursing Wyoming, Idaho got a bit of it as well. There was a mosquito infested fog the day before actually, uh, that is where my morale decline started. Uh, it was always due, and <laughs> we would say, it's going to be a nice, easy day. We just get through this pass, and then it's nice and easy. And the last 14 miles of the last two days that have uh, have wrecked me a bit. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like it looks like a lot of screaming at things that I can't control, which doesn't really help anything. Uh, but it's good to let it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you. I like to, you got to let it out. I'm not much of a crier. I've never cried on a bikepacking trip. I feel like I'm missing out. I probably haven't tried hard enough or something, <laughs> but I'm more of a, yeah, I might, I might yell or cuss and get mad. Uh, I like to say I get mad at it or whatever. So, um, it sounds like, are you, are you like riding with a group, uh, or are you just, are there just so many riders that you're just always around people? Yeah, it's mostly, so it's a little bit of A and B. Uh, my friend David uh, Landis, who, uh, he's like a trail designer, designed the Trans-Virginia 550 route and 520 uh, that I that I raced. That's how I met him last October. Um, we've been using Kurt Schneider's plan, so we both felt confident we were kind of on the same speed and said, Hey, you want to ride together through bear country, but we're very explicit about, Hey, if I'm having a bad day and you like you go and you need to go, let's, we're, let's both ride our own race. And if our decisions work out where we're, um, where we we're glad meeting up at the same spot at the end of the night. Great. Um, otherwise, you know, you push ahead. And so the way it's, it's worked out, we rode together maybe day one, day two, um, but by day three, four, I would kind of push ahead, do my own thing. Um, David has been rolling in like a couple hours after, but like tomorrow he's going to get up and leave Pinedale at 4 a.m. And I'm not sure at this point, we're out of bear country, first of all. So <laughs> I think we're both <laughs> ready to, to just go, go ride totally solo. Um, but I'm also, you know, questioning, does it really matter? Like, who cares if I'm in the twenties, do I care? Is it more like, do I, am I going to keep pushing myself like this and banging up my Achilles and, you know, my butt, like everybody else's is very raw or am I going to wake up at seven o'clock tomorrow and get up by eight? So it's been, 
you know, and then there are a couple of other riders to answer your question, your original question that, that we've picked up along the way who are, you know, oh, you're going into this town. You want to split a motel. It's going to be 20 degrees tonight. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You're being economical about it. What was your, what was your goal going into it? And, and not only your time goal, I think, I think it says 19 days on, yeah, 19 days on track leaders, but, but like your overall goal of like the experience that you want to have and, and how hard you want to push yourself. Like what, what was your idea going into it? Yeah. Now I'm so embarrassed by that because I'm way behind that at this point. I think I'm dead, <laughs> trying to catch up. With- I think everyone's behind. We already addressed that. Yeah, we're already everybody's behind. So yeah, my yeah. my original goal in the like letter of intent was 23 days, and I dialed that up a little bit as it got closer, and my training felt felt really good. And I think if the conditions were not what they are, uh, or if I really understood and digested or done some math about how long it would take to hike through some of the snowpack I knew was there, I wouldn't have said 19 days. Um, but Right now, I think my my goals are to to finish it, to get to Mexico, to maintain a race pace um, overall average, and uh, to not get fired, to get back to my job <laughs> early <laughs> enough that I don't that I don't get fired. So um, those are great you know, goals. And, and everything else is just you know just enjoy the experience along along the way. Um, so I do, you know, I want to push myself. I want it to be a race, not a tour. Um, although today feels more like the latter for sure. And that's nice. Well, your, um, uh, your average speed is good. I mean, your moving average is almost at 10 miles an hour, which is, um, which is pretty fast. I mean, considering let's see, Sofian is at his moving speed is 9.9. So, I mean, that's, that's race pace. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's. It's just a matter of him sleeping four hours a night and me sleeping five hours or six hours some nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really, it's kind of crazy, but uh, I mean, it's not that crazy. We talk about it a lot on the podcast. It really does come down to just time on the bike and how long can you be on the bike. But yeah, I mean, your your pace is, is really good. So I think you'd be pretty stoked on that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. Yeah. What about like your like sleep? I mean, you had that one day where you you felt thought it might feel a little wasteful, but in hindsight, it probably was a good idea, especially since you like caught up to a lot of the people that had went ahead. Uh, what was the name of that town? Richmond. Uh, Condon. No. Oh, Richmond. I can't I think remember it was the Richmond t- Pass. Richmond Pass. That's what it was. Yeah. Whenever you held back at that, but. Uh, other than that, have you been, I mean, did you have like a sleep schedule and a stop schedule that you've been pretty well adhering to or, or what was your plan with that? I did have a, I had a schedule, uh, when I started that I deviated from almost immediately because of how, how much of a slog some of these, uh, these nights were. So that kind of got thrown out and I've been just looking at, I've been using the one of seven, uh, data sheets and you know there's so many resources these days um looking at resupply along the way and just trying to figure out between that elevation profiles and snowpack what do i what do i think i could i could do and just doing the best that i can to get to uh i probably i've been a little heavier on the on the motel side than 
than I had budgeted for or planned. Uh, but it's been nice to be able to get a shower and, and get rested up uh, and not camp out. At, you know, I brought a bivy, not a tent. And so camping in the in the pouring rain has also been uh, felt a little risky. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think you said it's going to be 20 degrees tonight. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's got to be tough because not only, and actually this is something I wanted to ask you, but uh, I mean, the hotels that have to be great for, I mean, everything, powering your stuff, cleaning your stuff, cleaning your bike, getting a good night's rest and being ready to like tackle the next day. So as a, as a case in point, you're in Pinedale, Wyoming right now, right? Yep. Okay. Pine, Pinedale, Wyoming, you're in a hotel. Uh, what, give us an update. Cause it, this is fun. I've never talked to anybody that was actually doing a race. So this is pretty fun. And we're going to put out this episode like in a couple days and people are going to be able to like watch your dot. And I, I think it's kind of, kind of exciting. Uh, but I'm like, so like right now you're in Pinedale, Wyoming, you're at mile 1,250, you're about halfway. Give us an update on, I'm curious, let's start with how are you feeling right now? What hurts? What feels good? <laughs> and maybe, maybe nothing does, but, but give us an update starting with how, how are you feeling right now? Yeah. Uh, no, mor- morale is, we'll start with like the morale thing, which is pretty low after the hike bike last night. We all got in a lot later than we thought we would. Again, this this little group of three, David, Ethan, and I were aiming for the Lava Mountain Lodge last night and uh, got in super late um, after that after that hike a bike just covered in mud. Um, so today the riding was beautiful. I'm feeling good. Uh, I think I you know I was debating taking a day off just to reset things in Pinedale and, and completely take myself out of racing, but try to get my motivation back. And I think I'm not going to do that. Um, so that's where morale is. The things that are hurting, uh, I think I speak for all 130 riders when I say my butt. Um, it's a lot of days in the saddle and it just seems to be no way to avoid saddle sores. Um, my Achilles. Like when we say saddle sore, how, how bad are they? They're, so they're the worst I've ever had, but I, I have never, like, I've done, five four five day events before and and had no like literally no problems um so i don't know what to compare it to but they're not like open sores if i can be that graphic they're yeah so i please. think i've Let's got them it. under control <laughs> how are you what do you do to manage them it's, i mean it's like <laughs> it's like raining and snowing and you're sweating and i mean are you do you manage it in any way like clean your clean your riding shorts or some yeah. people use baby powder i mean I know, yeah. Wasn't there just a guy on your on your podcast that you're who was that that you were talking to who said Indy. baby powder and no he who was that? swears by it. Indy Schultz, Indiana Schultz, yeah. Yeah. I bought yeah. some I, baby I, powder after that and I haven't used it yet, but I need to I need to try it out. I don't really have issues. I need to use it on like a really long ride, uh, when I might have a saddle sore, but yeah. Yeah, no, I've been I've been trying that, so that's in my in my uh repertoire now uh thanks to your podcast so and that seems to be working uh i use vaseline uh chamois butter there are a couple of samples at the llama at the alpaca ranch uh that we stayed at that i i picked up um 
but mostly it like has I'll been. Like the uh, alpaca ranch? Yeah, that was so cool. That was great. <laughs> like, nice little bunk. They waved us in. Great people. So what's the... What's the deal? Real quick, uh, let's take a little tangent. What What's the deal with the llama ranch or the alpaca ranch? Uh, it, it's free. They just have like a little shack you can stay in. Like I I've, I've, I keep seeing it pop up on Instagram, but I don't know the story there. Yeah, it's totally free. It's pay it forward. Uh, these folks realized they were on the on the route uh, years ago. I want to say you know early two thousands maybe on the on the ACA route, maybe predating that. Um, maybe predating Tour Divide as well. Uh, at, at any rate, yeah, they they have more. They have a bunch of little cottage-like things that maybe have four bunk beds in them, two bunk beds depending on it. You know, like a little teardrop trailer, uh, trailer that looks like a. Um, it sleeps maybe two. We had a little red red shed sort of thing with solar power battery and. Um, it's just very nice people. They had, you know, sandwiches homemade in the fridge and a uh, couple of beers. And, you know, we asked if we could, what we could give them for it. And they said, please just go out into the world, think about what you would have paid to stay here and, and uh, contribute that back out into the world. So I, I don't know if you wow. could you could find nicer people than that. What? Yeah, that, that gave me goosebumps. How cool is that? That's That's some real trail magic right there, man. That's so cool really is really is okay so your butt hurts everybody's butt hurts your achilles heel or heels plural how are they doing just yeah just the right one uh i think it's not great but i can like i did 180 miles to lima on it one night and it felt fine if i'm if i'm pedaling and if i'm allowed to be off my bike or not hiking up it's hiking up these these steep grades, pushing a bike up a steep grade with snow or mud uh, or cocoa claims. You know, if it had just been cocoa claims, that's hard enough. And the wall, you know, I could have made it through those, but you, you throw five snowy hike of bikes and peanut butter mud on top of that. And it's getting pretty rough. Um, I think that's it. I've got a couple of like bruises here and there from my well the interesting thing about like sorry to interrupt you but you're the interesting thing about the achilles heel is and you know i'm assuming that this is kind of a new injury i mean you're learning things about your body pushing it farther than you have harder than you have and so this is one of the things that i'm always interested in is is how people manage these injuries that come up and or, or maybe this isn't an injury. Maybe this is an ailment. And sometimes if you keep riding, it'll just go away. Sometimes it'll get worse. So what is your personal thought on your Achilles? Is just keep going and see what happens and hope for the best? <laughs> are you are you doing anything to manage it? Like, I don't even know what you do with that. I don't know either. I looked, I, I looked at what it might look like to, to use KT tape. Um, there was another podcast. What's the new bikepacking podcast? Uh, oh, the bike pack racing podcast, probably. Yeah, the one yeah, with Ezra yeah. and Andrew Onerma. Oh no, that's uh, there's there's another one still uh, that just just came out. Anyhow, he was talking to Kristen from Brush Mountain Lodge, and she was saying something about someone who used a glove to reinforce their um, their Achilles by like putting the the glove over their foot and then tying it around the ankle. I couldn't really get a a good picture in my mind of of what that looked like. So the short answer is I've been doing nothing. 
have. <laughs> I wasn't able to find KT tape. I don't know how this glove trick works. Um, I've just been <laughs> hoping and praying that uh, there's no more, uh, you know, 45 degree angle hike a bike. Yeah. And it's too bad that the Brush Mountain Lodge is shut down this year and Kirsten isn't there. So you can't even, you, cause you could like roll through and ask her, yeah. uh, you know, be like, Hey, show me that glove trick you were talking about. Although she might not supposed to be offering assistance, but you know, yeah, she yeah. who knows? Hey, she's on, actually she's on route. I don't know how that works. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm yeah, not gonna I, go I mean, down the whole, that road. The whole rule thing, I, that's, um, I have no idea. I, I don't know. I don't know what I, I, I haven't collected all of my thoughts about, about the whole rule thing, uh, yet. And, um, I've probably broken one or two of them so far, but I'm not in contention. So yeah. who cares? Right. Well, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be fun to see if we get any, um, any feedback on the internet about media intervention on your, on your race, and uh, we might get relegated. So are you ready for that? <laughs> I'm ready for relegation. I've been ready since I was born. <laughs> I don't think so. It seems like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We never know what the internet's going to think about anything. What about uh, what about your bike and your gear? How How is everything holding up? And is there something that you wish that you brought that you don't have besides KT tape? Uh, there's some things I brought that I will be mailing home as soon as I can time an open post office, right? I think, uh, but nothing I wish I had brought that I, I mean, I guess given the conditions, I, you know, I kind of gambled on a 40 degree sleeping bag and a, a bivy and it's been fine. It's been more motels. I mean, I, I bivvied out that one night in the rain, found a shelter, bivvied out a couple of nicer nights. Um, I might do a tent next time, just knowing that you know I'm not not going to be near the front of the pack, and the tent, a good tent, wouldn't take that much more to to set up. Um, and the 40 degree sleeping bag, I I don't know, I don't know how you like. I had a 40 and a 20, and I gambled on the 40, and that's been fine for the most part too. So, no, I don't. Um, can't think of anything that I've I've really missed or wish I had with me. Oh, the right. <laughs> I wish I had brought the right brake pad replacements. Uh, red, uh, red Meadow, Red Meadow Mountain is one of the nasty hike bikes pre winter storm. It just had uh, a long, long ass, uh, snowy hike bike bike. And, um, that, and the, I think there were three snow hike bikes prior to that. So it wasn't the last somewhere right in the middle just toasted my brakes and i coasted into whitefish on like basically metal on metal um for the entire day uh because the the brake pads that i had packed which my bike shop had given me and i stupid me it's on me for not for not checking but i was like this is you know this is a bike shop they do this all the time i'm not going to check my brakes look fine right now i know that i have the right brakes uh and I went to yeah. pull them out and put them in, and they were these beefy mountain bike brakes that uh, absolutely were the were the wrong ones. So that's one thing I wish I wish I would have would have brought. But that seems like dumb advice to your uh, listenership, which uh, <laughs> almost certainly knows to bring the the correct brakes and check that ahead of time. 
I don't know. Whenever I did my East Texas showdown the first year, everybody ran out of brake pads. So uh, maybe it's worth reinstating the importance of having <laughs> not only backup brake pads, but, you know, just make sure they're the right ones. You never know. Yeah, I had the right backup for somebody. It's like that, you know, tying a glove on your Achilles heel. Like, I don't, maybe they, they uh, didn't think that was going to benefit anyone. And it still didn't benefit you, but it, you, it almost <laughs> did if you could figure out how to do it. <laughs> Well, listen, I don't want to take up too much of your time because like, I mean, you are racing right now and, uh, you know, you've got stuff to do. So what is like, we, we hop off the phone, we stop talking. What, what do you need to do tonight? Like what's on your to-do list to get ready to go out and do this again tomorrow? So this was, this was a super short day. This is the shortest day we've had so far, uh, apart from the, the day where I took a knee and didn't do anything. Uh, so I've already done resupply. I got new socks, which is my treat to myself because my other ones have like two holes in them and have been worn every single day. Um, so after I jump off the phone with you, I'm going to eat probably an entire frozen pizza that is, I think, done from the from the maybe oven. Not, maybe not done to perfection. Maybe not done to perfection, but it's done. Uh, <laughs> I will have I'll have a beer, and uh, I'm basically going to have the. This is going to be the plushest night of the entire trip, so I'm gonna chill out, get some, uh, some good sleep and decide if I'm up at 4am to keep race pace or if, you know, for everyone listening, if you see my dot lagging back in the above the 25, uh, day pace, you know what my choice was today. <laughs> <laughs> what will be the determining factor there? I mean, your Achilles heel is obviously maybe a consideration or, or what are you weighing that would, would make you want to wake up, wake up at four or, or sleep in and, take a little time uh you know well first is where where i want to get to uh if i want to you know david is pushing to wham sutter which i think is a hundred and it's above 150 it's going to be a big day and so you've got to get up and get out early it's 180 so it'd be another 180 day and i felt oh yeah pretty good after the last 180 day that we did but uh so i've got to figure out if if I want to do that, or if my goals are to, if there's a, if there's something shorter than I'm comfortable with, um, I, yeah, I don't know. So some, some, some of it's going to be about the weather. Some of it's going to be about where I can get to and actually be or get a place. And some of it's going to be figuring out if my, uh, motivation is to, you know, if I'm racing it, is that, is that what I want or am I getting swept up in in all of this is what i really want just to get to mexico as fast as um as i can without, <laughs> without damaging myself uh yeah so i'm gonna have to I, you know big questions i guess uh at the end of the day you know we're all gonna feel great when we when we hit that that wall in antelope wells so that's that's my biggest that's goal whatever goal. i whatever i choose to do tomorrow yeah yeah. How are you feeling about yourself and your efforts so far in comparison to like, I don't know how you, how you thought you'd be doing and how you thought you'd be feeling halfway into the tour divide. And it, this is your first tour divide, right? I meant to ask you like at the very beginning, but I just got talking, but this is your first tour divide, right? Oh yeah, for sure. 
So how do you, I mean, like talking to you, I'm, I'm, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if you're gonna be like super tired and mentally fatigued and <laughs> you know, all these things and maybe, you know, I, I just didn't know. I mean, I figured you, but you sound, I feel like it's like a Monday morning. You've had your coffee. You're very mentally aware. You're, you know, you're, you're very communicative and you seem, seem totally fine. Seem like this is easy. Well, you caught me on a on a short day again, uh, but yeah, <laughs> you should talk to man Alan Shaw. Was that his name, David? Alan. Yeah, yeah. He man, he pushed through that mud. If you want to talk to somebody who can go through shit and and come out just like exuberant on the other side, like like how how great was that mud, everyone? And, and <laughs> I think he half meant it. He was just he met us up. We were eating breakfast at Lava Mountain Lodge this morning, and he. Uh, came in after being up on the pass, uh, in like a 20 degree night. Um, just happy as a clam, completely, completely awake. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, but it was also a super short day, so I should have some energy to spare. Oh, I mean, you're how many days were, uh, 10 days into it. So I don't know, man, that's just crazy. Like you said, your longest event was five days. So you're double that. I mean, that's, that's just insane. And you're gonna, you got like probably 10 more days to go. So it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's just so crazy to be home watching dots and watching y'all like slow. And you've done this, you've watched the dots and you've sat at home and you've like gone to sleep nine times and you wake up the 10th morning and you're like, yep, they're still out there. Yep. They only got, you know, not very much sleep and they're riding a hundred plus miles a day and it's snowing and it's cold and it's rainy and it's muddy and like you're just still going like it's just it's mind blowing you know and so to talk to you who's in the thick of it doing it right now and yeah you seem seem like you're doing good man seem like you got your good spirits about you you're thinking clearly and you know seems like you're going to do the thing oh yeah i mean I, you know the short story is uh, we're all having a blast out here it, it is it's a tough year you know blah, 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 but it's still it's gorgeous it's more fun than didn't work um (laughs) it's like you know it's it's not hard to get back into good spirits for sure but it does give me a huge appreciation for oh it gives me a huge appreciation for what what the people at the front are doing like like abe sofian like what you know jay lale i you know man it's tough this feels so tough right now (laughs) and that they they do that and uh, seem to be in good spirits the entire time, or at least the the parts that we see is just <laughs> uh, gives you know my appreciation is on a whole other level now. Well, I don't know. Sofian was uh, complaining about the Wyoming Basin, uh, which have you gone through the basin yet, or you do you have the basin coming up? Uh, no, it's coming up. Uh, maybe tomorrow if I follow David out to Wimsetter, uh and I saw somebody post, uh, Chris Schmidt, I think, posted that there's peanut butter mud on the basin. So it depends on, I don't know if that's what Sofian went through. Do you know? Um, no, I don't. Whenever he was complaining on social, on in- Instagram, he was just talking about the wind. For the last two days, like oh, all yeah. I've heard him talking about is, you know, having PTSD from the wind. He's just like, even if I hear the wind, I get scared <laughs> or something. 
So what is what is the Tour Divide like? I mean, is it is it what you expected in terms of like the scenery and the route and all that? Is it, you know, I'm I'm curious because I mean I know a lot about it, but I've never done it, and I'm curious like if I was actually to go, and I hope to do it one day, but when I do, it, it, you know, what what is it like? Is it yeah? I don't know. Is it just too big to even comprehend? Yeah, it's just so many. I mean, I've only been through Canada. Only recently left Montana and Idaho, and the section of Wyoming I'm in are, are pretty small. But um, so maybe I'll I'll catch you when I finish. And it, it's I'm sure Colorado. I've, you know, I lived in Colorado for a couple of years, so I I know what to expect somewhat there. Um, and New Mexico will be completely different, you know, sort of biomes. Um, but it's been gorgeous. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. It is definitely feels like an adventure with the with the snow um it's you know it's something that everybody out here is choosing to do for their own somewhat for their own reasons so it's it's great to talk to people and get to hear their stories um it's been yeah it's been not as i expected or pictured listening to you know audiobooks and and watching documentaries uh because every year is completely different but it i in that way it is what i expected i expected it to be you know you can't it's such a long route and the weather is changing constantly um that it's going to be different for everyone every every year and for everyone at whatever pace they're riding so um hasn't disappointed yet it's frustrated from time to time but it hasn't disappointed what has been, we talked about like your, I think your hardest day was yesterday, it sounds like, but what has been, what's been either your best day or your most rewarding experience or most beautiful view? Like what's something that's been pretty awesome that you wouldn't have experienced any other way? Oh man, you make me wish I was one of those people that journaled before they went to bed in their bivy at night. Uh, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> one of those people room. either. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm one of those people that always says like, Oh, I'll do that. Or I'll, I'll do 10 minutes of meditation before I head out. Uh, and then I don't do those things. Um, wow, okay. Most rewarding. It's so I think getting it, uh, getting into is it Lima, Lima. Uh, I want to say they say it. Is it Lima? Okay. I think so. I mean, that's how I say the Italian city. Uh, so let's say Lima. Um, let's go Getting with that. into there at 3 a.m. or so after just a huge push, just getting to ride my bike all day, um, listen to a great audiobook. Uh, did did cry to that. So maybe that's maybe that's the trick. You need to listen to a really good book, uh, and then you'll have your bike back and cry. Um, Noted. And <laughs> And that's just, it just felt great to, uh, have a day like that after getting out of all of those, those snowy passes. Um, yeah, what was, so I think that was the most. Yeah. It's just a rewarding feeling to know that, I mean, that you, you went out there assumably to push yourself and to try something hard and, and, and see where your own limits were. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, your expectations had to be adjusted at the beginning. Everybody's did. Um, so being able to kind of like open that up and really push yourself and get like a really good solid day on. Yeah. It's gotta, it's gotta feel fucking amazing, man. Especially after like getting through all that hard stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 It was, it was good to just 
have some validation that, okay, yeah, you, you know what? You can do big days. It really has been the weather that's making excuses. Um, <laughs> there was also right. pushing, I forget which pass, Galton Pass. Galton Pass was, we did the wall in Galton, David and I. Um, we started the wall around 11 p.m., which is this, um, you know, famous section that's relatively short, but it's a lot of wet hike-a-bike almost, you know, straight up, it feels like at times, um, just through, through muddy single track. Um, so we did that and that puts you out on Galton pass, which was just covered in snow. And so we summited Galton somewhere around like one thirty two AM. Now it was probably 1231 AM and cruised across the U S border and into Eureka at three thirty AM. And I don't know if that was rewarding or just, that's definitely a memory I'm going to uh, I'll keep with me. That was, I don't know that I would do it again, but it was, uh, it felt like a pretty, you could use the word epic to describe anything that, that felt like a, an epic evening. Yeah. Well, that sounds, I mean, that, that sounds rewarding. Uh, maybe that's one of those type two funds that you'll, you'll really appreciate later on. You'd be like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. No, at the time I, was, I was like, holy shit, should we have done that? Was that very dangerous? <laughs> Were we all, did we almost have to SOS? Um, I like, I put my head down on my bike at one point while we were, while we were near the peak, um, to just rest for a little bit because I was getting exhausted and I almost fell asleep and I, I snapped awake. Like, you know what that is? That I was awake for the rest of the, for the rest of the climb because I pictured myself falling asleep on top of that path in my wet clothes. Um, and that snapped me right yeah. out of it. Yeah. You definitely got to keep moving. That's smart. What are your, uh, so who are you, who are you shacking up with? Who are the other riders that are in this, uh, hotel situation? So David Landis is here and, um, Ethan, uh, his last name's escaping me. He'll be listed. I think on dot watcher is three thin. Um, okay. The three at the front. Uh, and if you want to, if you want to talk to either of them, I can pass the phone over to them. Um, should probably grab some pizza at some point and get some, some calories in me. Um, but yeah, those, those guys are, are here and we're all trying to figure out what our different plans are for tomorrow. Sweet dude. Yeah, no, I'll, I will let you go. I want to, uh, I feel bad even taking up any of your time, um, being on the, uh, you no, know, man, you are racing so and, fun. I know, I know. And I, I don't feel too bad. And for people listening, I mean, like I put out a call, nobody had to answer it. Um, but I, you've been really, um, I've been chatting with some different people, but it's, it's hard to find time. It's like, okay, well you need cell phone service and you know, you need to have like a little bit of downtime. So it like logistically, I knew it would be challenging and I want to be really respectful of, you know, what you're trying to do. But yeah, this has been, I I don't think anyone's ever done this before. I don't think everyone's ever like talked to somebody while they were actually doing the tour divide or any other race and, and released it during the race. And so, um, that is exciting, but also man, like we always, I always do and not always, but a lot of times you're talking to like the winner of the race, but you know, like you said, there's 130 people out there and your experience is much more relatable to, you know, most people that have a job that, you know, no offense to Sophie on, but you know, isn't a sponsored athlete that doesn't ride their bike every single day, all day, whenever they want, you know, you, you gotta, 
you know, make sacrifices. And, and that's what you were talking about at the beginning about, you know, all these people have taken off work and have come there with their own like goals and things that they want to achieve. And, um, so I, I think that it, I, we talked earlier and you're like, you know, talking about the fast people and, but I, I feel like, you know, your experience and a lot of the mid packers and back of the packers, I mean, those are the stories that are going to be most relatable to, you know, the widest, the widest audience, I think. So I do, um, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and, and making it work. And, um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun chatting with you and, uh, I have a lot of respect for you and everybody that's out there, man. I'm just sitting in my house watching dots and y'all are out, out there actually getting it done. And so, um, congratulations on making it this far and looking forward to watching your dot, man. Might, you might pick up a few more dot watchers after this. I'll try not to let them down. We'll see. They, they might watch <laughs> it slip back and back and back, but, uh, no, thanks Patrick. It's been, it's been awesome getting the chance to, to talk to you. I've, you know, obviously heard your, your voice a ton and you've been on a lot of my long training rides as well along with me. So, uh, appreciate the chance to tell you a little bit about what, what I've been seeing here and, and get the chance to chat with you. Oh man, it's been awesome. I'm glad that the podcast can be there for people to do that. All right, man. Well, uh, get some pizza, enjoy your night and Oh, real quick. Let's tell everybody what your Instagram is uh, so they can not only watch your dot, but um, follow your Instagram because you've been posting some story updates as well. Yes, I will. Hopefully I'll have more coverage, more self coverage as I get further to Colorado. Uh, Cache Mars, C-A-C-H-E-M-A-R-Z, or they can just, if they look up Nick Marzano, they'll they'll find it somewhere. Cool. Well, and I'll, I'll post the in the, the show bike. notes too and make it easy for everybody. I'll be the guy with the bike. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, y'all, you have a good ride. Thanks again for chatting with me. And, uh, we'll, um, maybe we'll t- catch up with you after the ride and see how it went. We'll see if our schedules can align. Cool, man. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, have fun at the finish. I probably won't see you there at my base, but <laughs> have, a, have a blast, man. All right, buddy. You too. We'll talk to you later. Take care. All right, folks, that is it for today's episode. A big shout out to my boy, Nick Marzano, who's out there right now. If you are following his dot, it looks like Nick made the call to uh, wake up a little bit earlier this morning and get out on the trail. So it looks like he is still in race mode and still pushing himself. Uh, Looks like he's right there with his friend David and they are uh, still tackling the route together. So uh, if you guys are listening and I think that you might, Nick, again, thank you for coming on the episode. It was a pleasure to talk to you. So much fun to uh, get some live reports from someone who's actually on the Tour Divide this year and hear about what the conditions and some of the struggles and and some of the good stuff. We talked about all the things, and it was a really lovely chat, and I wish you all the best on the rest of your race. All right, everyone. Well, that is it for today's episode. Next week's episode is going to be extra special And I've kind of hinted at what it might be. And if you have been paying extra close attention, you might be able to connect the dots, pun intended. But if you haven't been able to connect the dots, then you'll just have to wait. But I promise it is going to be a banger episode. I'm looking forward to it. So until then, thank you for being here. It is always a pleasure. Now, don't forget, go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. Grabbed your knife and you held it tight.
you push further. Every pedal stroke, stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless, your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes, more death. Bikes, more death.